0: 16, is we have Jesus telling his disciples, look, you want to follow me, you want to, you want to go to heaven, you want to have eternal life, you want to be my disciple, this is the way, okay? And I appreciate that because it's like, you know, one thing that I've learned as being a pastor and being a, a boss, you volunteers right that we have staff thankfully or we go broke Uh, but when you give somebody something to do it's important to give them a description of what it is that they're doing what what is it that you expect of them so that they know number one what to do but they know number two how to please their boss right well that's important and when it comes to our life in christ i love this passage of scripture because jesus really lays out this is the way this is what you do you know you want to follow me you see something of value in who i am and and what i represent then this is the way okay so we pick it up in matthew chapter 16 in the the what happened was they were in caesarea philippi which is in in the north part of getting ready to go to jerusalem this would be the last trip to jerusalem and you know just like as a parent like i remember when our son was really young justin he was like i'm gonna say like three two or three and he had to go in for surgery and we as, as a father you know i i wanted to prepare him as best i could you know i was like okay so this is what it's gonna be like and you know, he he was going to be away from us. We couldn't go into this operating room, and you know, he's going to be freaked out by what happens. And so, I, as a, as a father, wanted to just prepare him for that. So, you know, he knew he knew that at the end he would see us again, and and all of that. And I think that this was sort of the heart Jesus had for his disciples. He knew that what was going to happen when they got to Jerusalem was going to so rock their world that he needed to prepare them for it. So it says here that from that time he began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Now this is one of those things he starts to tell them and, and we find out later that even though he goes through this process three times to prepare them. It's like as soon as he starts going down this road, look, I'm gonna suffer, I'm gonna die, and and I'm gonna be raised on the third day. It's like they, they didn't even hear the last part. They all they just got fixated on the bad news. Okay? What what? You're gonna die? What are you talking about? You know? What do you mean you're gonna die? And so this is of course. It says that um, you know, it's interesting because it says he began to show to his disciples. He didn't just tell them, he began to show them. And how did he show them? Well, I think that what that meant was that he began to show them from the scriptures, you see. It wasn't just that that he, you know he his idea or this is what he thought was going to happen he was here to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies about the Christ but, the, but there were two parts to that story one was that the Christ was going to suffer for the sins of the world and the second was that he was going to come again and establish his kingdom on earth okay well they had totally understood the second part but that first part it's not really real clear. And so, so he began to show them from, I believe, from the scriptures. And the reason I say that is because later on, when they're in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they come and arrest Jesus, and Peter, you know, Peter going to save the day, grabs the sword, whacks off the, the, the ear of the high priest's servant, and Jesus says, put the sword away. This is not the way this is going to go down, okay? Um, and he said in Matthew 26, 53, Do you not think that I, can, uh, I could pray to my Father and He would provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? And how then could the Scriptures be fulfilled? That it must happen thus. See, the whole purpose of Him being arrested and dying on the cross was to fulfill the Scriptures, Later on, after he was resurrected, there's the two disciples that were on the way to uh, Emmaus, a village outside of Jerusalem, and Jesus comes and walks by them, and they're all bummed out, sort of like some of you here after the election results. I am looking at you, and uh, <laughs> some of you might be happy. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, but they're just bummed, and they're sorry, sorrowful, and and Jesus is wired so downcast. Well, you know, Jesus, we thought he was the Christ and he died on the cross. And, mommy and, so you, uh, oh, and then Jesus says, he said, oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to have entered into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them, all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So notice again here what he said. He said, The Christ had to suffer these things in order to enter his glory. And so he started there with Moses and the prophets, and he showed all of those prophecies that were about him to show him, see, this is how it had to happen. Not only did, this, did the Son of Man have to die, but he That's what I think was happening here. And that's really important because that is, the it's called the sure word of prophecy. You see, we as believers know what's going to happen in the future ultimately. I mean, we may not know the the short-term future, but we know the long-term future. We know that things are actually going to get a lot worse before they get better. Amen? That's what it says. That's why Jesus is going to come back. He's going to to ruin the kingdoms of this world this earth in order to establish the kingdom of god and of his christ and we're all going to one day those of us who are in christ are going to be rejoicing over that fact because the answer is not in the kingdoms of this world the answer is the kingdom of our god and of his christ amen and he shall reign forever and ever right so so we know of the time. He will always keep his word. And so we have the sure anchor for our faith, the word of prophecy that must come to pass. And that's why Jesus was showing this to his disciples. Look, it has to happen this way. The scriptures must be fulfilled. It's not about the chief priests. It's not about the Romans. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God fulfilling his word here. Circumstances beyond his control. It was the purpose for which he became the Son of Man. To save mankind, he had to do the one thing that God could never do die. He had to die in the place of man. And this was the way. There was no other way to break the power of sin and death and destroy the works of the devil, which is why Jesus came into this world. He said, I've come to destroy the works of Satan. Now have we understood this? Have we understood that, that not only was this the way that Jesus would redeem man, but that he was setting a pattern for what discipleship looks like. This is his words there is a death before there is a new life there is a humiliation before there is an exaltation the way up is first down right this is the way of jesus he modeled it for us he modeled it for his disciples and then he called them to it you see and so it makes sense i mean because jesus would say no servant is greater than his master then that means we're going to walk in his way. And in some measure, it means that we will also partake in his sufferings. Now, obviously, none of us suffer the way he suffered. And Jesus never tells us to do anything that he was not first willing to do himself to the nth degree. But it does mean that there is an element of us partaking in the fellowship of his suffering. Amen? You guys ready? Who wants to sign up? we got a sign-up sheet in the foyer. Listen, Paul, he came to that point where he said, look, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I will admit, I want to know Christ. He's great. There's nobody like him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. That's awesome. I sometimes struggle with wanting the fellowship of his suffering, okay? I'll just be honest. I think we're all that way. But it's part of the deal. It's the reality. And so Jesus But you know, Peter, Peter had a better plan, man. So he came, He says, "Take, take." Now, the one thing about Peter, I mean, this is good. He he takes him aside. You know, he takes Jesus aside. You know, he doesn't want to embarrass Jesus because Jesus is getting a little off here. Okay, he doesn't want to embarrass him in front of all the other guys. So you know, he just pulls, he pulls Jesus aside, and he begins to rebuke him. Now. What that tells me is that this was going to go on and on, okay? <laughs> this wasn't a simple, stop saying that, Jesus. This is probably going to be a lecture, okay? And he, start, he starts to rebuke him. Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you, you know? And and he's just getting going. And Jesus turns to Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. So I think that was... Christ calls you Satan. I I think that probably got his attention, blew his hair back, you know. Um, But he said, you are an offense to me. You see, Peter, you don't understand. You are actually, you know, here's Peter, the guy that just moments before, you know, Jesus said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my father who is in heaven. And, you know, Peter's just like, yeah, I hear from God. I get visions, you know. And so, (laughs) yes. going to rebuke Jesus, okay, so, but he said, Peter, you're an offense to me. What you are saying is not coming from God. It's not God's plan. You're listening to the wrong voice here, Peter. You're listening to the adversary. You're listening to Satan. You know, and here's the, the truth. We've all done this. We've all listened to he's the accuser of the brethren and and there are times when when he's accusing us and we're just saying amen devil amen yes that's right you know and and we're we're taking it in we've all been instruments of satan's voice let me just tell you every single one of us so this is nothing unusual to people and this is part of the problem is we have difficulty discerning don't we i mean Impressions are the impressions of our heart. The heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So we got that problem. And then we've got the Holy Spirit who does speak to us. And we've got our own conscience. And and then we've got the devil. And he's trying to influence us. He's trying to tempt us. He's trying to deceive us. And so, you know, it ain't easy, is it? To discern. This human condition is not easy to discern the truth. And yet, that's what we're called to do. And if we're in Christ, Jesus promises us, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Not a lot of people today really want to know the truth. okay? But it's what we, as followers of Jesus, should be all about. Amen? So... Was not on that track. And Jesus said, You're an offense to me. Why? Here's the deal. This is the reason. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. That's why you're offensive to me, Peter. Your mind isn't focused on God's stuff, it's focused on the opinions, the ideas. the desires of men. And that has put you in a position now where you are offensive to me. Wow. Why is that an issue? Well, because it's the easiest thing in the world for us to do, right? It's so easy for us to get fixated on the things of men. Understand, remember, Jesus, after he fed the 5,000, the popular vote wanted to make him king immediately they wanted to make him king by force they, you feed us you 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 cover our pocketbooks you know you 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 line our wallets you you, you fill my tummy you're king we're good see that was their mindset Peter having those sort of messianic expectations of what Jesus is going to be, and Jesus says, No, it ain't going to happen like that. I'm going to die. And he says, no, 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 no. Don't talk that way, Jesus. You know, maybe he thought he was being. disciples were known to do. They were just arguing about who's going to be the greatest and how jockeying for position in the new kingdom. It could have been that too but it either either way his heart was focused on men things rather than God things. Now I will tell you folks this lasts since March, you know, with the pandemic and then the election and civil unrest and rioting and lifting and you know, I have been in the news probably more, watching the news more than I ever have. Seriously. And, and I, when I come away from that, i got to check my pulse, okay? Because I find a lot of times I don't have love. I don't have joy. <laughs> I don't have peace. I'm just upset. Anybody relate to this? <laughs> okay. You're a pa- you know, Bill Holder started to talking about the mirror. You're a pastor, dude. <laughs> yeah. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Hey, is that leading to me having those sort of the fruit of the Spirit? Or is it Stretch, you know, stick our heads in the sand, but it does mean that, listen, we had better be getting God's vision from God's word and the Holy Spirit, or we're going to be a mess, amen, and we're going to be an offense to Jesus, that's what he said. So, um, you know, the, the reality of it is things were an absolute mess politically when Jesus came into this world. You think we've got it bad? Come on. They were under Roman oppression. You know, you cross Caesar, you get crucified on a cross. You know, we don't have anything like that. That was the culture they... They were under Roman occupation. They were like what the people of Poland were in 1939 when the the Germans came in, Hitler came in, you know, started just ransacking everything, doing what they did to the Jews, all of it. They were under that kind of oppression. And so Jesus comes. And what does Jesus talk about? not of this world by the way he didn't come to like change the world he came to call people out of this world do you realize that he came to call people out of this world because why because he knows this world is passing away now that doesn't mean that we don't care or we don't get involved and we don't stand up for what we believe is right and we get involved in all those ways it's fine but understand the main purpose that jesus came here was to call sinners to repentance and bring them out of this world and into the kingdom of God. Amen? And when Pilate said, are you a king? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And that's what it that, the more impact we are going to have on this world for the kingdom of heaven. Amen? So, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now let's face it, not everybody sinning and happy to be sinning this is like leave me alone I, i'm into my sin you know There's a lot of people like that then there are people that you know they they uh they know enough about god to not be happy in their sin they know enough about truth to not be able to sin enough of Jesus to have some fire insurance. <laughs> but that's it. You know? They don't really want to surrender their life to the Lord. They don't really want to do the, the tough stuff. They don't want to really obey Christ. You know, and that's why Jesus would say, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say. I mean, it, there are people like that. Okay, um, But Jesus said, look, he want to come after me if you really want to follow me then this is what you do deny yourself take up your cross and follow me first thing deny yourself you know i think this is why authentic christianity will never be popular because we have a whole culture that is just good for you it's good i mean you know it's that's the whole culture that's the mindset of the culture so jesus comes very countercultural, and says look look you need to deny yourself that's step one secondly you must take up your cross now that in and of itself would have been absolutely shocking of execution devised and the Romans practiced it against the worst enemies of the state and it was torturous they probably all knew people that had been crucified so you know for Jesus to say you need to take up your cross that was like what? are you kidding me? I mean to even get sort of close to the idea it would be like for us to say, oh, you need to take up your electric chair, <laughs> or you need to take up your hangman's noose, you know, or your firing squad, just have them come along in your back pocket with you and follow Jesus said that's what it means. And it's not it's not, you know, let's face it, in our nation, it's a lot likely we're going to be executed for our faith. It could happen. It certainly has happened in many cultures, many times, in many nations. We're, it's not, we're not quite that bad yet here. <laughs> could get there. I mean, it's possible, but probably not. But what is that we need to be willing to die to self, whatever that means, to follow Jesus. Whatever Jesus puts his finger on and says, you know what, you need to give that up for me, to follow me. We need to say yes for I'm willing to die to that. And, you know, for me, that, that, that is just a, a simple thing of just say, I am putting myself on the altar try to i don't always do so hot on that <laughs> but i try to just say i'm presenting my body to you lord as it says in romans twelve i i'm putting myself on the altar today a living sacrifice lord how can i live for you i mean there are people that say yeah i die for christ okay good but are you living for him are you willing to die to yourself and live for him today see that's you ever came to the point where it was like, look, you need to die for Christ, then God would give you the grace, the power to do it, because you've been making those kinds of decisions your entire life, where you put yourself on the shelf, and you say, Jesus, you're number one. changed the lives of those 12 apostles. You know? Their life was never the same after that. And I think thankfully so. When you consider the rewards that they had in life, just being with Jesus during that amazing time, and then the eternal rewards, where they will be judging Israel on 12 thrones, course forever and ever and ever. It's not just Peter at the gate, by the way. That's a bunch of hogwash. They're going to be, but they all, all 12 apostles will be ruling with Christ. We're going to be ruling with Christ, the Bible says. So it was a good exchange, I would say, to follow Jesus. Then he said, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but down to the store and got some Cracker Jack. Remember Cracker? Anybody remember Cracker Jack? And found the little ring inside. You know, the toy surprise. And said, here you go, babe. Will you marry? You know, it's like, what? what? Is that all I'm worth? You know? A box of Cracker Jack? How much do you love Jesus? How much is he worth to you? How much did he give for you, by the way? That he considers his treasure, that he sold everything to purchase. You know, so it will cost us something to follow Christ. If it doesn't, then how much is it really worth to us to follow Jesus? And we're not saved by that, okay? We're saved. The Bible tells us we are it's by grace we're saved through faith. That even the faith is not of yourself, it's the gift of God lest any man should boast. But, then also says, you're his workmanship, his masterpiece, his poem, his creation. Created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared before that you should walk in them. And that's what we're talking about here. It's, it's the response of the heart. You know, and Jesus said, look, if, if you desire to see." just living for yourself, you'll come to the end of your life and you'll realize what do I have to show for my life? What have I accomplished? It was all about me. There's a lot of people that come to life and I was talking to somebody just the other day. I was just saying, you know, the thing is that I've been with people at the point of death many times. They are not thinking about the next great deal they wish they would have scored. They're not thinking about the girl they would have liked to have gotten that they didn't get or the guy they they wish they would have got they didn't they're not talking about i wish i would have seen one more football game i wish i would have played one more 18 hole round of golf and nobody's talking about stuff like that you know what they're talking about they're talking about faith unresolved junk between them and their family, man, they want to make it right. They want their family to be with them in those last moments, if they they can, if they have a choice in the matter. That's what's important. Your walk with God, the the relationship you have with your family, your friends, your church family, that's important. Those are the things that are going to matter. She hired me when I was fresh out of high school. I was working at a radio station. She was doing a program called Rock and Religion. It was on 200 radio stations. She would interview various Christian recording artists, and uh, and then we would put this program together. They would share the testimonies, their music, and me coming out of radio, I just had a knack for that, so she hired me. We then later went on into, uh, we started a, a recording studio company. She was an executive producer. We produced a number of albums. I was a recording engineer on that. And it was just a wonderful time of seeing God do things through people, his people, in marvelous ways, getting the gospel into places that would not have normally gotten the gospel through music. And, and it was an exciting time. We were just reminiscing on the phone this last week. Um, but it was after that. Period, then I then became an assistant pastor at the church, and and in one day the Lord began to stir our hearts, Cindy and I both, about moving to Idaho. And so in 1993, we came up here in summer of ninety-three. Checked it out, we were praying, Lord, just you know, show us if this is what you have for us, and, and we believe God was confirming that through promises and In March, we, you know, our family of four, we, all I had was three months' salary, and then it was, as they say, YOYO. You're on your own. (laughs) And so here, I have a family of four, and I'm trying to figure out how am I going to support everybody here. And there were some hard times. Let me tell you, it was. There were times when I would just pay the rent, and I'd just be thinking, "Thank you, God, we." Those were hard years. to was a, a promise for me was, you know, uh, in Luke eighteen twenty nine, where he said, um, actually, no, no, uh, Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened, or what man is there among you, who if his son will ask for bread, will give him a stone? And I just realized that, Lord, we're just asking for your will here. We want to know what you want us to do. And you're not going to take that request and give us a stone here. And so that was the thing that just got me through those years. of just realizing, God, you're going to take care of us. And he did. All this to say that if you give up anything for the Lord, you will, as as it says in, in, in this role, I'll quote this in Luke 18, 29, you know, anyone who has left houses or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who, sh- who shall not receive many times uh, more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. So there's, he said there's no one who's left those things that will not receive many times more in this present time and in the time to come eternal life. You cannot outgive God. He will make it up to you. But what God does do, is he requires us to re-prioritize our affections. You can't put husband first. You can't put wife first. You can't put kids first. You can't put jobs first. You can't put money first. You can't put power first. And the Lord will challenge you on your affections and say, wait, am I first here? Before all those other things. And, and you say, yes, Lord. You are first, and I will put the rest of these things on the altar, like Abraham had to do with Isaac, you see. I will put these things on the altar in order to follow you, and Jesus will test you on that. Because if you're not willing to put those things on the altar, you are not willing. in this life at times, but the retirement benefits are out of this world, okay? <laughs> and the reality of it is, he does give you so much in this life. Because not only does he give stuff back to you, but he gives you the capacity to... it, verse 26. To a man, if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Imagine that. I mean, you know, Jesus uses three words here from the financial world. Three root words. Profit, gain, loss. And he says, okay, so what will it profit you much money as you can. Maybe you want to retire at age 30. So you're out to make bucks. And say you become the richest man in the world. Okay? Let's just take it out. That's what Jesus is saying here. Say you become the richest person in the world, but you lose your own soul. spend eternity in hell. Was it worth it? Or say say it's say it's power that's your deal. Okay? You want to be power. You want to be you want to be president. Okay? Great. I mean we need good presidents. Not a problem. But say you say in order to get there, you lose your soul. That's not even good enough for you. You want to conquer the world. Let's say you want to be like Adolf Hitler. Okay? Just take nation after nation down. Think about that. And say you are so successful at that, you become the ruler of the world. Okay, this is ridiculous, right? Jesus is taking this out, clear out there, so you can see all these things that people are living for even killing for dying for losing their family for say you get it now you're the ruler of the world but you lose your own soul was it worth it? what do you think? if you could interview Adolf Hitler today 75 years after he committed suicide he's been in hate for 75 years. What do you think he'd say? Was it worth it? That's what she's saying here. But if you lose your own soul. And what are you going to give in exchange for your soul? It doesn't matter how much money you have, you can't buy your soul back. You can't, you know, fight your way out of hell. The Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and He will reward each one according to His works. That is the, the cool thing. Is that whatever it is that we do for the Lord. Jesus said, if you even give a cup of water to one of these My disciples, you will not lose your reward. Jesus keeps the record. He keeps the tally. He doesn't miss anything knows the reason why we do it. Even if it doesn't turn out, even if the results didn't turn out the way you thought they would, or maybe somebody has taken advantage of you. You thought, well, I did this for so-and-so and all they do is burn me. You know what? Why did you do it? Did you do it results may be in this life. God keeps the score. And you cannot give him. I think he gives back with interest, okay? (laughs) He will reward you. And there are people that say, well, you know, we shouldn't do it for the heavenly reward. We should just do it because it's the right thing to do. Well, I I get that. I mean, there is an inherent blessing That he did say that is because sometimes he, he knows that if we don't know that there is a blessing, a reward, an eternal, an eternal re- reward at the end of this, then there are certain times in life when, like Paul, we would despair even of life itself, and and we wouldn't be able to go through those trials victoriously unless we realize just like he did that's for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross, though he despised his shame. He realized that at the end of this all, I will have my church, my bride, I will be exalted back to the glory of the Father, and I will reign forever and ever. You know, he knew that. And I think there are times when we need to remember that so that we don't get a tuck head, you know, believe he he's in the white house now you know, really is that a a great billboard for Jesus Christ and his kingdom and his righteousness seriously i mean i get it He said, Father, I I pray not that you take them out of the world. We're in this world. We need to be salt and light in the world. But that you keep them from the evil. one. Amen? But I think that also means Verse 28, assuredly, he said, I say to you that there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. There were some standing there, Jesus said, you won't taste death, and we're going to see what did that mean, because clearly he hasn't come back yet, and those apostles are dead. (laughs) We'll see next week, because there are some sitting here today that will not taste death, see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. You believe that? I'll show you why. But you've got to stay tuned. Come back. Like I can remember the Batman TV show, right? Same bat time. Same bat channel. See you next week. I'm going to leave you with three questions, okay? Number one. the way? He modeled it for us. He told us, deny yourself, take up your cross. follow I really understand that. Do I, do I understand what that means, personally, for me? I know what it means maybe for Jesus. Do I know what it means for me? Second, am I mindful of the things of men, or am I mindful of I am, I honestly believe right now, right now, we have the greatest opportunity for the gospel that I have ever seen in my 60 years of living. I honestly believe that. I believe that if we will real, get our head in the game and realize why we are here and that God wants to use each of us to salt and light. God wants to use each of us to bring the gospel to people that desperately need to hear the good news of Jesus and salvation and forgiveness and reconciliation and hope and peace and love and all of those things that seem to be so devoid in our culture right now, that's so divided to know that in the church there is unity, there is hope, there is love. We can come together from a lot of different backgrounds and still Love each other in Jesus' name. Amen? I think people need to hear that message, and you have it. I have it. And so I'm praying, Lord, give me so many opportunities. Give me opportunities just to share the life that we have in you with people that need to know that eternal life in their lives. They need to know the eternal and abundant life not willing because you're afraid or whatever, then just start with just say, Lord. Show what he could do by grace. Lots of opportunities for us, folks. Let's soar. Amen? Father, we thank you for your presence, and we thank you, Lord, for the life that you've given us in Christ. I pray, Father, that if there's anyone hearing this... Father, as we are entering... uh